Welcome to Season 4 of the Social Pros Podcast, where we shine the spotlight on real people doing real work in social media and learn the social secrets of the world's most interesting brands. Social Pros is sponsored by Integrated PR Software from Cision, by the easy-to-use farm builder, FarmStack, and by social audience analysis software, Affinio. Your Social Pros co-hosts are Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud and Jay Baer from Convince and Convert. Ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, joined by my pal, my compadre, also a fan of the golf, which we're going to talk about today. It is from Salesforce.com, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, Mr. Adam Brown. Adam, what is going on today? Jay, it is a beautiful day here in Austin. And you know what I think I might do this weekend other than watch the British Open? I might play some golf. There you go. There you go. I, I am not going to play some golf. I'm headed to a conference here in a few minutes. So I will be sitting in a conference room, weekend conference, which is always sort of good news, bad news, right? I will be sitting in a conference room uh, watching the uh, final uh, rounds of the Open Championship 2015 and we are so delighted to have a thematic episode of Social Pros today. Uh, it is, as it we is. are recording this, uh, we are recording this in the middle of the second round of the Open Championship in the cradle of golf, the home of golf, St. Andrews, Scotland. We are joined today by the head of consumer engagement for TaylorMade Adidas Golf. It is Mr. Ryan Lauder. Ryan, how are you? I am very good, guys. How are you doing? We're Fantastic. probably better than you. We were where you were. Yeah, it's a busy, busy week. Uh, a busy week for you, uh, given the fact that you know you got four majors a year. You're a golf company. You've got uh, sponsored pros out there on the course uh, right now. So we certainly appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk all things social media in such a busy week. Why don't you, Ryan, if you could? Um, I know some of the story because we've had the the pleasure of working together. But I, I would love if you could tell some of our listeners a little bit more about TaylorMade Adidas and sort of the scope of the brands uh, that you work with every day? Yeah, sure. Um, well, Tenement Adidas Golf is headquartered out of Carlsbad, California. We're part of the uh, Adidas group of companies, which is headquartered in Germany. We're the golf division. Uh, we have four brands in our portfolio. TaylorMade and Adams Golf are really mainly the uh, hard goods equipment brands. And then we have Adidas Footwear and Apparel and Adams Golf. So, uh, yeah, we're about... Uh, you know, sort of, you know, north of a billion dollars for the company. We're um, you know, obviously huge into uh, golf and making people uh, get better on the golf course. And uh, yeah, the Open Championship week is just a super week for us. There's four majors in the year, and uh, from a social and content standpoint, we do ramp up this week. Uh, a lot of people come into the sport, come into the game, uh, and obviously very, very connected with what's going on. And we just do the best we can to give an insight into our players, our products, and what goes on behind the ropes. I should say for longtime listeners to the Social Pros podcast uh, that we have had, I think, I don't have the list in front of me, I think we've had three people who have been on the show twice uh, in in the uh, 175 episodes or whatever we've done. I think this is the only time in the history of the show we have had the same company on. Uh, many years ago, when we were just starting the show, uh, Charlie, who used to work at, uh, at TaylorMade with you, who is uh, who was at that point sort of the, the guy who goes out and actually captures social media at tournaments, was on the Social Pros podcast. So 
uh, it's amazing to have uh, another representative from the same company back on the show uh, to kind of talk social media and how it's uh, evolved over time. Yeah, that's right, Jay. He, um, uh, he's been a great sort of proponent of ours and really got a lot of things started for us. But uh, he had, I guess, what you think from the outside, a very, very glamorous job of traveling around on a PGA tour. Uh, weekend probably did about two to three weeks out of the month and uh, yeah his job was to get there before the tournament started and work with the uh, uh, tour team they're on the tour truck and the trailer and work with the uh, sports marketing guys and just really bring all of that knowledge insights information and what's going on in the preparation for, for these guys so yeah Charlie uh, was great for us and it just really helped to sort of tell the story and let people know what goes on um, with these guys on tour and how our products are helping them and uh, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's been very great, and we're glad to uh, be back on again. Thank you. Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned uh, sort of getting there before the tournament starts and and working with the guys in the truck and things like that. Uh, I think it would be interesting to let people know sort of how that works with the truck, uh, and also because capturing tournament play and and your sponsored athletes using your equipment is a big part of what you create in social and a big part of the storytelling around the brands. Um, it's interesting to, to dip into that, but it would be probably illustrative to let people know that you can't just stand there behind the ninth green and take pictures of, of Justin uh, Rose, you know, putting with a tailor-made putter. Uh, like you, there's a lot of rules and regulations about what you can and cannot create. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we work very, very closely and kind of complement uh, the rights holders like the PGA Tour and uh, all the broadcasters from you know, um, NBC and CBS and you know, all those guys. So we typically try and get in there on like a Sunday night or a Monday morning when the guys are just arriving from the previous tournament and they're hitting balls on the range and they're tweaking their clubs and they're making sure their bag is set up for the right conditions for that course. So we typically try and tell the stories from our perspective around the changes the guys are making, what new stuff they're putting in the bag, and all the insights, you know, all the storytelling around, uh, you know, the run-up to the tournament. But, yeah, we, our truck uh, is always on site, and uh, it's kind of a mobile sort of like, you know, technicians are there to sort of tweak and grind and basically change grips and, uh, you know, build whatever they want for their players. And uh, they have to go from tournament to tournament to tournament. So those guys are doing, you know, 25, 30,000 miles a year. And uh, really, yeah, we, we try and take imagery and video from inside the truck and on the range and on the course. We can take photography. We're not allowed to take any uh, video from um, uh, on the course. And we certainly don't really do any content uh, gathering Thursday through Sunday when the tournament happens. Um, we do want to work closely with the PGA Tour to help, you know, tell the stories about what's going on. But uh, we're also very, very conscious and uh, amenable to the other partners involved. So, yeah, there's been a few challenges this year with some other uh, media entities who have uh, pushed the boundaries a little bit. And there we mentioned the word periscope and things like that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, an interesting dynamic. And you have uh, some some sponsored uh, golfers, Sergio Garcia, uh, Justin Rose, some other uh, really notable PGA Tour pros. What are you able to do in terms of the brand who provides them equipment and, and presumably sponsorship dollars as well? Uh, what are you able to do with them in social? Do, do, are there things written into their contract that says, look, you're going to Instagram this? Or is it essentially they're going to do what they're going to do and you just kind of hope that it doesn't go off the rails? That's a great question. Um, there's nothing specifically at the moment written into contracts. Um, again, you know, we follow, you know, both uh, 
you know, the rights guidelines of the actual uh, PGA Tour, and you know, they're obviously members of the PGA Tour, but we also consider the FTC guidelines and a lot of things like that. So we try and be a bit more complementary, and we just educate our players and their management companies with regards to when new products are coming out and when we do want them to help us out, you know, with leveraging, like, hey, guys, it'd be great if you could talk about this this week or maybe drop a picture of that. And some guys are better than others, um, and you'll see that from their channels. So um, some guys get it, and they do it you know, natively and just love doing it. And other guys, it takes a little bit more of a sort of forced approach. But um, they're, they're, in general, they're pretty good, actually. And certainly if we want them you know, to sort of help us out with a particular product one particular week or a particular message, then um, you know, we, as long as we get to them you know, 24 hours, 48 hours in advance, then uh, they're pretty good. So we, we, we like to think we've got a good relationship. And we do try and pick guys moving forward who are socially savvy um, and are happy to work with us on this kind of basis. Uh, that, you took my follow-up question right out of my mouth. That's fascinating to me that that, that really is a factor in who you're going to sign as a sponsored athlete, right? Somebody who's socially savvy, who's easy to work with in social. I mean, obviously, you got to go with somebody who's got game. I mean, you don't want somebody who uh, who, who is not very good at golf and is going to get bounced off the tour. Clearly, you have to be able to play uh, and have a brand that people like and, and support. But it is amazing to think, uh, you know, imagine five years ago, 10 years ago to consider that, hey, is somebody easy to work with on Instagram, that that would be a consideration in in who you would sponsor. It's really quite remarkable. Yeah, it is. And as you said, it's not you know the the core thing. The core thing is obviously their uh, their ability as an athlete to get the job done and you know be on TV and uh, work with us on surface days with our consumers and our customers and things like that. But of course, it can be a deciding factor if you've got you know a couple of guys that you want to sign in a particular area or for a particular brand or anything, and you know they're pretty pretty equal, but one guy is just like you know, way, way ahead on social, then, you know, it could become a deciding factor. And, um, and we actually educate a lot of our guys as well. And we're, we're now up to, you know, quarter of a million Twitter followers and uh, just about hitting the 200,000 mark on Instagram. And some of these guys have got pretty big um, following as well. And so we work with you know, not just the player, but also sometimes their wives or partners. And, uh, you know, they're pretty good and healthy out as well as the management company. But yeah, they're, they're getting it. And I think guys, have, they started on Twitter and a lot of guys now are really moving to Instagram. Um, and that's you know, our biggest engaging platform for us right now as well, our fastest growing. So uh, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time to be, uh, to be in social and in sports marketing. It, it really is, Ryan. And I think one of the things that, as, as you and Jay have discussed, that fascinates me is the number of teams and organizations that, that you have to work with in order for you to be able to, to do your job. On the uh, external side, you said it, it's the broadcasters, it's the players, it's the event organizers, it's even the other sponsors that those players may be working with. And then internally, you have your advertising, promotion, communications teams inside of TaylorMade, inside of Adams, inside of all of your other brands. Do you have any tips for kind of workflow or organization or how you manage the editorial calendars, both internally and externally? And then how you use those to kind of measure the ROI and performance of the programs themselves? Yeah, so from a calendar standpoint, I'll take that question first. We will, you know, certainly look at the uh, schedule on both PGA Tour, European Tour, and some of the other major tours around the, around the year. We'll look at our product launch schedule, look at our player athlete schedule as well. So again, you know, we've got to look at which players are going to be at which events and which tournaments. And then we'll look at, you know, everything outside of our uh, kind of, of the PGA Tour that is golf specific as 
we don't want to just be too, you know, totally one-dimensional and just talk about PGA Tour and our players. We've got other things that are relevant to golfers out there outside of the tour. So we look at a whole host of things. We'll try and plan out probably around about sort of six to eight weeks in advance of things that are coming up that we aren't going to talk about. We then get into more of a detailed calendar, realistically probably within you know, sort of two to three weeks out. And uh, at that point, we'll start getting into drafting some posts and getting stuff queued up on um, Sprinkler. We work with Sprinkler. Um, we also try and keep as close as we can to uh, finance, uh, sorry, our legal team. I always recommend that to people. Keep the legal guys on your good side. Sure. It's always helpful. So um, we started off you know, having to check quite a few things with those guys. Now they trust us. They know that we know all the boundaries from what we can and can't say and advertising rights with some of our players and uh, you know, geographical challenges and what we can and can't do. So um, I'd say, certainly say that the more preparation you can do with your internal team, then that kind of like puts all that to the side. Then it is just making sure that, you know, how does this relate to the golf media who are heavy on social? How does it relate to what the players are going to be doing? How does it relate to the actual event organizers and the right holders like the PGA Tour and the USGA and the Masters and the RNA? So there's a lot of things that we can do in advance. There's a lot of things that we just have to react to kind of real time, which is kind of exciting as well. But we try and just keep all of those bodies, you know, like I said, the USGA, the Masters, the RNA, and the PGA Tour on our side because we need them to get access to a lot of you know, tournaments in advance. So, for example, this week at the Open, um, we're not actually on site this week. Our Europe European team have been on site pretty much Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But we were there at the end of May, scouting the town, the area, the course, from like photography, from doing drone footage. We were there with Tom Watson doing stuff on the Sorkin Bridge six, seven weeks ago. We shot a video of him. So a lot of that is then banking it because really when it comes to the week of the event, it's pretty crazy. So you need to have all of that content ready, approved, edited, clean, and timed to go perfectly. Wow. And I would assume you, so much of the time and effort is, is in actually doing that live, live event, the production, as you said. How can we get as much done beforehand? But after a tournament, after a significant event, when, uh, when you're wrapping everything up, what processes do you use to kind of do a bit of an after-action review or begin now to demonstrate to your leadership and the brand managers and other senior folks what, what the ROI of, of this program was? How, how did we show efficacy of the social media and other digital activities? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And uh, we will um, do a full post-event analysis and uh, benchmark ourselves against our competitive set as well. So we will use Sprinkler and uh, a company they acquired about a year ago, Duchess, um, has some like, you know, pretty decent leaderboards in there that you can take a quick sort of snapshot at stuff like that. Uh, so we do actually have a leaderboard in terms of across the main social channels and we're looking at really engagement, uh, the number of uh, engagements we're getting, which is helping us to understand, you know, do people find it relevant? Did they consume it? Did they enjoy it? Did they interact with it? Uh, but we're doing also the live tweaking of our strategy as well. So anything that we thought would be a great post, a great graphic, if it doesn't really get above a certain sort of retweet mark, uh, then we pretty much will stop it. And even though we might create another sort of five or six posts around that theme, we'll just kill it right there and then we'll just realize that, you know, this is not working. And uh, the interesting thing this week is certainly we've been doing a lot of real-time, not only publishing, but also like, looking at what's been working you know, in the middle of the night because because the open is like eight hours ahead. Um, so uh, we've pretty much have been set up here from like two o'clock in the morning. 
um, today, actually, just trying to get everything done. So we look at you know, everything from native analytics in Facebook, um, you know, from video views, and we look at, you know, I think we're pushing to YouTube, we're not just looking at the views, we're actually looking at where the drop-off is on the video. Is it like 75% in, and then people start to fall out and things like that? So we're actually looking at what content is working, first of all, but also, you know, how far in or where are they, you know, where do they enjoy, what are the comments like, what do people also want to see? So we do pose those questions from time to time, and as much as we talk about our products, our players, and our brand, people might just want to know, hey, you know, give me some insight as to the old course, and, you know, how many bunkers are on that course, or how far is the longest hold, or... You know, how deep is Hell's Bunker or, you know, whatever it may be. So we try and actually become relevant as well with the audience that's not completely trying to promote or sponsor our players or our brand, but just, right, just you know, be contextually relevant with our audience because, you know, it's what they want to hear from a brand of ours. I love that word relevance, and that kind of tees up even my uh, my, my last question for you before we, we go to the uh, the break. And, and that is, obviously, this time of year, this, this this is golf season, so you have a, a great interest and excitement and enthusiasm in it. What do you do kind of during the off season to kind of captivate the audience and keep them interested in their topics? I mean, golf, like many other seasonal products, I'm guessing most of your sales are going to be in and around this time. So how does that impact your marketing and specifically your social marketing communications? Yeah, so that's a good question, as Grant. I mean, the uh, the golf season, yeah, the you know four key majors, you know, the peaks and troughs really start in April and kind of finish around about October, right in August. But there's all things like you know Ryder Cup or a Presidents Cup or the FedEx Series that ends. So the PGA Tour is kind of really a ten months of the year kind of gig. So there's, there's plenty of stuff to talk about there. Our product launches also are not always right in the middle of the year and right in the playing sort of season. So again, that gives a lot to talk about, but. Again, you know, golfers, you know, there's a lot of diehard fans that we find these guys on Instagram and, and Twitter and certainly on Facebook, people who are playing golf, you know, in the in the Midwest when it's like, you know, maybe 25 degrees out and, you know, some guys are still playing in the shorts because they're trying to hang on to the end of summer and things like that. So, again, we just try and sort of like, you know, talk with people and say, hey, you know, where are you finding the courses that are open and, uh, you know, how many practice rounds have you got in there? You know, what are you going to work on over the winter break before you get into your next season? So we try and just sort of, the conversation going again on a one-to-one basis rather than being a brand pushing and mm-hmm. um, help us to stay connected with our golfers and get to understanding about how committed these guys are as well and we'll certainly reach out to people we do a kind of like a bpa we've got to blow people away so we'll reach out to people just completely off by off chance and send them like a dozen golf balls so hey we notice that you've been you know playing all the way throughout the winter and the weather looks like terrible so you're clearly a committed golfer you know Get some golf balls when the sun starts to shine and the snow melts and take it on us and thanks very much for being a committed fan. So we'll do things throughout the year that are not necessarily related to, you know, the sun and people playing in the beautiful conditions or the PGA Tour. So we do really just try and sort of keep people uh, engaged with, you know, golf in general. And there's always something to talk about in golf. There's always something crazy going on, which is which is great. That is... Uh that is such a clever thing to do, and I, and I love the idea of those kind of random acts of kindness where you, you find your fans, and as you said, you send them a sleeve of, uh, of golf balls. Have you uh, begun to integrate kind of you know, your, your customers as you know them in social media with the customers you may know in your CRM database or you know, club registration database and begin to kind of look for, as you, as you said, kind of that one-to-one relationship with the customer? 
Uh, another good question. We have spoken a lot about this, and we do have a pretty significant um, database. And uh, if I'm brutally honest, we haven't yet done as good a job as we could do with marrying up you know, an email address that's in our uh, CRM database with our social profile. Uh, we do work with uh, partners like Sherpify, uh, who we try and do some social CRM, sort of like uh, sweepstakes and campaigns to try and sort of marry that up. Uh, and that helps us. And again, you know, I think Jay's used this, uh, certainly this terminology for a while, these least communities that we have through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, et cetera. So, you know, certainly our goal is to be where the consumers want to engage with, with us, and which is very easy yeah. and native on, you know, places like, you know, Twitter and Facebook. But we want to also start to try and scrape some of that information, some of that data from those channels so that we can do a better job so that we actually can do better retargeting people. We know what's in their bag. We can reach out to people if we know they've got a driver of ours that's maybe four or five years old and we think they'll be a perfect fit for the new driver so we can then be proactive and reach out to them. So it's a big strategy and a big goal of ours for sure in the next you know, 12, 18, 24 months. And, um, and social is going to look to do a lot of the heavy lifting of, uh, of getting that data into our main sort of CRM database. Right. And is that database, you know, certainly within Adidas, you... If, if someone is a, a golfer, they very likely may be a tennis player. They may, they may also be into soccer or a variety of other sports. Have you begun, and I'm sure this is true for any large multi-branded organization, have you begun to look at kind of data sets and insights kind of across those silos? Absolutely. That's uh, a great question. And um, Adidas Group has a thing called um, Single Consumer View, so SCV we call it. And it really is, it's like one sort of like central database with the guys who have interacted with the Adidas brand, Adidas Sport, that is. Reebok is also part of our portfolio, as well as obviously the golf division at TaylorMade Adidas Golf. So we have an option to go to a lot of consumers around the world. And again, wherever we do have data sets on people who have, like say, maybe purchased a set of you know, tennis uh, shoes or running shoes and indicated that they're into golf or they've you know, drop something into their cart, you know, a pair of golf shoes, and then maybe abandoned it and things like that. So we actually do a pretty decent job globally about sharing um, a lot of those insights um, for retargeting sort of purposes or even just passing some of that information over. Of course, with the user's permission, uh, everyone's always looking in. We don't want to spam people, so we take that very, very careful. Um, so, yeah, we are actually working, and pretty much that would allow us as well to do things like single sign-on. So whenever we do create... Um, platforms, communities, or forums, or whatever they'll be, we're trying to make sure it's as easy as possible for the consumer so they can use one login, one ID, and they can access all the tools that they need. One of the other pieces in that line of thinking, Ryan, is is making it easier than ever for your customers and fans to interact with one another and and with you. Uh, hopefully, I'm not giving away some sort of trade secret, and if so, we'll edit this out of the show, but uh, you're going to launch an owned social community as well, right? So not necessarily relying solely on Facebook and Twitter and things like that to bring your fans together, but you're going to create a, a clubhouse for them to interact with one another also. Do you want to talk a little bit about the, the, the thinking there in terms of creating uh, a tailor-made community for golf fans? Yeah, absolutely, Jay. And um, yeah, I don't think it's a, it's a huge cheek. We've been working on it for about two years. We haven't launched it just yet. We're looking for the right timing uh, of that. But yeah, we're trying to really just improve the way that we have this connection with the golfer 
um, 24-7, you know, 365 days a year. And looking at a branded on-domain community really was something that uh, we just felt was like just, you know, just had to be done, really. And uh, we've been working with a partner called uh, Livium uh, up in San Francisco on their sort of platform to sort of work out how to do that best way. We did some strategy work. And it's not all about foreign equipment. It's about play and practice and travel and, you know, where people want to go and like, go for a, a golf vacation and things like that. So, yeah, we, we realized that um, that is going to help us not just only get better information on the golfer. We'll know what's in their bag. We'll know their geolocation. We'll know how many rounds a year they play. We'll know who they're connected to in the community. So we can better serve them. But it's also it's also going to help us really moving forward to uh, build better golf clubs and serve their needs better. So um, we want to really use it as a kind of big research tool as well, uh, as well as just helping with page views and uniques, you know, to our .com. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a big part of our, you know, again, future strategy. And, and perhaps more than a lot of other brands that we've had on the Social Pros podcast, you and your team and everybody there at, at TaylorMade Adidas who, who work on any of the brands, Ashworth, uh, et cetera, um, you know, you're not just professional marketers, you're all golfers and golf fans. Now, I, I don't know if this is entirely true, or maybe this is just uh, a rumor that you told me or somebody on my team told me, but don't you have to be a very accomplished golfer to to work in your company? Is there literally like a golfing test? You have to like know how to do Twitter and also be able to uh, to, to jar a nine iron from 120? <laughs> like what exactly is the, the regulations around being good at golf uh, to work there? <laughs> I'm laughing. That's a great question. Um, not strictly. I mean, we, we want to certainly have people who love the game and are passionate about sport, especially golf, clearly. Um, I mean, again, you're going to look to work in a golf company because you probably do love the sport, so that's going to help. So we certainly in the global marketing team, you know, we have some very, very good golfers from like plus two handicap, you know, through to sort of like, you know, 10, 12, 15, and, uh, you know, 15 is still a good handicap. But we always like to talk within the tone of voice of the better player. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily mean we only hire people that are like a zero to five handicap or, or single figures, but we certainly want to speak within that sort of tone and voice to our audience. But I think it's also helpful to have people who are just passionate about the game, but may well be, you know, a little challenged in the skills department and might be a 15 or 20 handicap because then they can appreciate what also all of our audience uh, may all struggle with, whether it's a particular type of their game whether it's just the access to courses, whether it's just the time to get out. I mean, we're all time challenged. I have two daughters, and pretty much the weekend it's uh, me doing their sports rather than uh, doing my sports. So I think we, it just helps to have that sort of breadth of uh, appreciation in our team. But um, certainly we are competitive, Jay, and uh, when we do have golf tournaments, it gets serious, and uh, there's definitely some bragging rights when people uh, pull that trophy out of the bag and hold it aloft. Yeah, we have uh, bragging rights too in my company, but it's more like margarita drinking uh, and uh, Instagram photography, things that don't require the same sort of athletic ability uh, that your company uh, competitions do. So we need to come hang out with you guys. I'll drive the cart next time you have the uh, the TaylorMade intra-company championship. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll drive the cart and document it for you. Exactly. Actually, one thing that might be insightful for, you know, again, people listening to this is that, again, we're a sports company, so inherently we have a little bit of a younger profile um, of employee base as well. And with that, you know, happening, then we have a lot more sort of social and digital sort of savvy 
uh, natives in the company. So we have, uh, it's good in one, one sense that a lot of people are engaged in the channels and see what we do, and of course they're going to have an opinion as well. So uh, yeah, we're, we're certainly, uh, we're a seven-day week, as I said, you know, there's a PGA Tour event every sort of Sunday, and the Monday morning people are coming in and uh, asking about, you know, hey, in this post, why did you do that, and how about if we did this? So we have plenty of ideas and uh, opinions, which is, which is great. Speaking of ideas and opinions, I'm going to tell you some ideas and opinions about our fantastic sponsors of the Social Pros Podcast right now. We'll be back uh, with more from Ryan from TaylorMade Adidas Golf in just a second. First, I want to let you know that this show is sponsored by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, a world leader in interactive marketing software powering the email, web, mobile, and social programs of thousands and thousands of leading companies all over the planet probably including some in St. Andrews, Scotland. Who knows? Check the database, Adam. Uh, Salesforce surveyed more than 5,000 marketers to understand their top priorities for 2015 across all digital channels. It's called the State of Marketing Leadership Report. It talks about the most pressing business challenges, the hottest issues, where people are going to increase their spending this year and beyond. You can grab it for free right now, courtesy of Salesforce. Go to convinceandconvert.com slash three. That's convinceandconvert.com slash the number three. That's the State of Marketing Leadership Report. Also this week, the show is brought to you by our friends at Formstack. Everything you need to know about form conversions. Look, if you're listening to this podcast at some level, whether you're Ryan or Adam or me or the the tens of thousands of you that listen uh, every week, uh, at some level, you care about people filling out forms. And it's not uh, a walk in the park to get people to fill out forms. We're presented with forms all the time. There's ways to do it well. There's ways to do it less than well. And our friends at Formstack, uh, we're going to help you do it better. Uh, it's everything you need to know about form conversions. They analyze. I don't even know. How, it's like hundreds of thousands or millions of forms. It's some crazy number. Uh, and found out how to boost your form conversions, including a special social media hack that can increase conversions by 189%. Check it out right now. Go to convinceandconvert.com slash eight. That's convinceandconvert.com slash the number eight. It's everything you need to know about form conversions from our friends at Formstack. Adam, over to you. Ryan, one of the things we like to do at this point in the podcast is ask you about your origin. Now, I have to admit, you have a job that I would say many of our listeners, including the host of this particular show, are very envious of. And I notice uh, that you have been with uh, TaylorMade uh, Adidas Golf for, for quite some time. And that is certainly not a bad thing, especially when you can definitely write off your golf expenses and literally go off at 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon and play 18 holes and not get fired for it. But in this day and age, that is unique. And I think it says a lot about you as well as the brand you work for. What's, what's the secret for, uh, in, in, in of your kind of history and your heritage there at, uh, at TaylorMade? Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, first of all, I was, I was born in Scotland and I grew up just uh, down the road from Royal True. And so golf has been in my blood uh, from an early age. Um, I joined uh, TaylorMade Adidas Golf at the back end of 1998. Actually, the same week, ironically, that we signed Justin Rose. He uh, won as a, well, he did well as an amateur at the Open Championship in 1998 at Royal and then we signed him as a pro. So Justin has been with TaylorMade as long as I've been with TaylorMade. Um, so, yeah, I, I marketing degree in management and you know, love golf. I'm a two-handicap golfer, wanted to get into the sport, and I started off in product marketing uh, over in London for TaylorMade Adidas Golf and then spent 
a year here in Carlsbad, 2001, working on future products with the US and the Japan teams. And then about 10 years ago, I made the switch into uh, marketing communications here in London. Uh, and then pretty much crafted a position for myself out here in sunny California about three years ago, uh, focused on digital and consumer engagement. So, uh, yeah, I'm marrying basically my marketing degree with my passion for golf and my speaking out on digital communication. So um, I'm living the dream, so, so to speak. So I'm very, very lucky and do appreciate um, the opportunity I've got here. Great. Um, one last question kind of from me. I know a couple of the other projects that you've worked on have included the uh, some of your apps, your driver tuning app, and which is a whole bunch of awesome, by the way. Um, talk a really quickly about how you've kind of integrated that in your app development there in your organization with your social activities and how all those hooks kind of come together. Yeah, we, we quickly realized that, you know, golf products and golf technology get a little complicated and we need to do a better job of simplifying that for the golfer and uh, ultimately they just want to hit it further and straighter and score more consistently. So as some of our products were getting, you know, high tech and there's, you know, weights that are moving and things like that, we decided to create this iOS and Android actually, but iOS app for one of our products, our one driver, because uh, it had no loft. You could actually change the loft yourself from like pretty much from like 8 to 12 degrees. So you had to get a wrench and move things around. So we decided that trying to create a manual for that would have been very, very hard and complicated. So let's create an app that all you have to do is take the club out, hit it on the driving range and hit a shot, keep it in the neutral setting, hit a shot, did it go left, did it go high, what kind of shot shape do you want to see? Do you want to see a low right shot? Do you want to see a high straight shot? And it was very intuitive. You kept just hitting buttons on the app, telling the app basically what you've just done, and mm -hmm. it will tell you where to move things. So. Um, we just thought that would be a great way of, of educating um, the golfer, a great way of helping them get the most out of the product, and just doing it in a very simple, straightforward way, which is people have got their smartphone with them all the time, whether you're on the course or on the driving range. We thought, well, rather than putting it into like a website or into like a little mini catalog or something, let's just create an app for it. So I think my approach is always from the consumer's view is how can we make this experience better and more, you know, just more simple um, for the golfer who might be a casual golfer who plays once a week and doesn't read all of the stuff that's you know, coming out on technology and developments and things like that. So, and we've actually just signed just recently a, a, a partnership with Microsoft um, for some uh, their, their, their band, so that really sort of tracks everything from you know where you're on the course to what kind of clubs you're playing, what sort of your data you're getting from your shots. So. That's a new, exciting sort of division here at TaylorMade. We're working on basically smart technology and how we can work with today's technology, consumer technology, with golf equipment, with obviously a partner like Microsoft on, on this wearable product that they have and just really make golfers better. So we are looking at it really from the golfer's perspective first and foremost. And that is simply remarkable how, how fast that convergence has happened. I mean, once once you just start peeling that onion uh, of, of golf technology and, and adjustable drivers and, um, you know, club face uh, tweaks and things like that, and then build it into the app and then into wearables, it's 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 shocking how, how fast this is coming together. I can't wait to see where we're at, you know, two years from now. If we could just get a, a Microsoft wearable that, to actually swing the club, uh, I would feel so much better about my golf game. That's what we need. <laughs> Well, that's my next goal. That's my goal. Uh, Ryan, I want to ask you the two questions that we ask all of uh, the guests on the Social Pros 
podcast. Are you ready? Yes. The first question is, what tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro? One word I will say to this uh, question is listen. And I take listen from, if you're not listening, and that can mean listening to what people are saying to you or listening to what the rest of the landscape is doing. It's really be aware of your surroundings. Listen, it helps you to evaluate what's working, what's not working, and listen, which will actually help you to learn and to adapt and evolve your strategy moving forward. Yeah, well said. And, and I love the idea of listening, not just to customers, but also to the landscape. We don't talk about that nearly enough. And, and you guys are particularly good, I think, at, at paying attention to what's going on, not just with other manufacturers, but also um, golf media uh, as well. There's a lot to be learned from what they're doing. Uh, last question for you, Ryan, who is the Director of Consumer Engagement at TaylorMade Adidas Golf here in the middle of the Open Championship Week. Thanks again for joining us, uh, especially in such a crazy time for you guys. Uh, if you could do a Skype call, with any living person, who would it be and why? Well, I'm not going to pick a golfer because uh, that would be just too easy. I'm actually going to go with a gentleman called Sir David Attenborough. I hope most of your listeners know who he is. He's a British national. He's been the voice of the BBC's nature programs for, I want to say, something like 60 years. I think he's 89 years young right now. Uh, and I just grew up as a child. I love nature and love, you know, how the world works and, you know, the animal world and things like that and geography. So he's just been part of my, I guess, my TV life as a child growing up, watching all these fantastic programs. But it's just his, his voice, the way he delivers it, some of the situations he's put himself in. If I could actually have a Skype call with him and from the middle of the Borneo jungle or from the North Pole or from the Patagonia mountain, wherever it may be, um, He's just gripping. He just catches my attention. He's just so insightful, but also so passionate about what he does. And I think that's, you know, helps me because I'm passionate about golf and passionate about digital and passionate about social and passionate about marketing. So I just line myself with him so well. So I would love to be able to have a, a Skype call with him from anywhere in the world. And what a great yeah, answer. Like that's amazing. That was, I didn't see that one coming. Did you, Adam, I didn't see that one coming. I did not see that one coming, but I'll tell you, Ryan, I can put that Planet Earth Blu-ray, and not the one with Oprah Winfrey doing the uh, narration, but the one with Sir David on, and my blood pressure drops 20 points. <laughs> I'm pleased to hear that. <laughs> we'll have to embed a clip of that into the show notes so that uh, everybody can can also reduce their blood pressure while while reading the, uh, the blog post version of this Social Pros podcast. <laughs> Ryan, if you were going to answer a golfer, I'm curious to know, because you've gotten to meet, obviously, a lot of uh, a lot of pro golfers, given what you do, and you've been with the company for a long time. Uh, if you could do a Skype call with a golfer who is alive, uh, who you haven't met, who would that be? Just curious. Well, that is a great question. I'm not sure I'm prepared to answer that. I mean, my, my idol really growing up was Severiano Ballester. Sadly, he passed away mm. um, a few years ago. So um, I would probably... Um, and I'm going to say something as crazy as, uh, you know, Lee Trevino. I'm going to throw that one out there. Now, uh, that's a kind of an interesting one. He, I remember watching a tournament when I was like, maybe in the mid-80s that he was there, and he just had such of the gift of the gab, the whole audience's attention, crack jokes, that if I wanted to Skype with somebody and be entertained for like 30 minutes on a Skype call, you know, knowing that you're talking to a screen, he would be able to 
sort of grab your attention with the amount of jokes and stories that he could tell. I mean, he wasn't the best of, you know, golfers up there with the Nicholas and the Palmers and the players and people like that, but he certainly played with those guys. And, oh, my gosh, I'm sure he's got some fantastic stories that before the world of digital and social media were never told unless you were there sat with somebody. So that's what I would do is I'd get those stories from him. Yeah, that would be a legendary conversation absolutely let's get him on the show let's make that happen adam lee trevino next week on social i'll see what i can do okay talk to your talk to your people your best people uh you know who i would not you know how i would not talk to on skype uh pro golfer be david frost uh a month or so ago i was at the senior pga championship which is uh which is held uh not too far from my house at the french lick uh resort an amazing uh, pete die course uh, about an hour and a half from where i'm sitting right now i went with a bunch of buddies and as uh, happens sometimes when you go to a golf tournament with a bunch of buddies we were drinking beers uh and got a little bit loud uh behind uh the 14th green and and uh, we were admonished by a senior professional david frost uh in the middle of the tournament so uh david frost and i are not on uh, good terms at this point Good to know. I wonder he's, if he's listening right now. Yeah, he's he is he's not one of your guys, right? I just want to make sure he's not a sponsored uh, tailor made athlete or or uh, Adams or any other brands, right? I just want to make sure I haven't uh, impugned your athlete. No, you're, you're, to, you're totally fine. You're totally fine. It's actually interesting that you know, a lot of people who you know don't work in the industry like we do. Oh, what's this player like? And what's this guy like? And it's always hard to answer because you know when you don't speak to people, you just see them on television, and yeah. you know they've got a smile because they're playing well, etc. You have you know, no insight into their personality and how they are. And most of our guys are fantastic and great to work with. But you know there's certain players that you don't want to approach when they've just walked off 18, having shot, you know, like a 78 or 79 or something. So maybe I'll go and ask him later, you know, to do that interview or we'll do, do whatever. So, we'll do this on uh, Twitter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But most of the guys are great to hang out with. They really are. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, they're playing golf for a living. They're earning, you know, a lot of money. You know, most of the big guys are earning a lot of money. They're traveling around, getting looked after. So, hey, I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? So they, they should be pretty uh, chilled out most of the time. Fantastic. Ryan, I hope one of your uh, one of the tailor-made athletes uh, wins the Open Championship. You've got uh, you've got a few contenders. Uh, Dustin Johnson is uh, is first as we record this, so hoping that uh, that he hangs on or one of your other guys uh, pulls it out. Thanks so much again for taking the time uh, for being on the program, and best of luck to everything that you've got going on over there. You're welcome. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Ryan. He is Adam Brown from Salesforce. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros. Please leave a review or subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, Affinio, Formstack, and Cision, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Social Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast Imaging by Audiobag.com.